السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم اما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي ربنا زدنا علما كتاب مواقيت الصلاه the book of the timings of prayers and today inshallah we will complete this book so bab number 40 bab ma yukrahu min as-samari ba'da al-'isha ma yukrahu what is disliked meaning it is undesirable min as-samar of as-samar what does samar mean to stay awake at night and engage in conversation in talk ba'da al-'isha after isha meaning the undesirability of night talk after isha when a person has performed salatul isha then what is better that a person should go to sleep soon after that why because it is disliked to stay awake after isha because the harm is that a person will sleep late and as a result of that his prayers will be affected whether it is the night prayer or it is the fajr prayer and the word asamar it's from the root letter seen mim ra we have read this word in the quran also mustakbirina bihi samiran tahjurun that the people are too arrogant to listen to the quran to believe in it and instead what do they do they spend the night talking away in their chit chat so this kind of samar is disliked after salatul isha haddathana musaddadun qala haddathana yahya qala haddathana auf qala haddathana abul minhal qala he said intalaqtu ma'a abi ila abi barzata al aslamiyya faqala lahu abi haddathna kayfa kana rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam yusalli al maktuba we have read this hadith earlier of how the people asked the companions as to how the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to perform the salah when he used to perform salatul maktuba maktuba means that which is obligatory because maktuba is from kutiba kataba which is to prescribe qala he said kana yusalli al hajira wa hiya allati tad'unaha al ula hina tadhadu al shams we have read this hadith earlier this is why i'm just going to read the arabic wa yusalli al asra thumma yarji'u ahaduna ila ahlihi fi aqsa al madinati wa al shams hayya wa nasitu ma qala fi al maghrib qala wa kana yastahibbu an yu'akhkhira al isha with regards to isha he said the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam used to prefer to delay isha qala he said wa kana yakrahu al nawma qablaha wal haditha ba'daha and he would dislike sleep before it and speech after it so isha he would delay and he disliked nawm qablaha to sleep before performing isha and hadith ba'daha engaging in conversation after performing isha wa kana and he used to yantafilu min salatil ghadati hina ya'rifu ahaduna jalisahu this is talking about fajr salah then when he would end his fajr then one of us would just be able to recognize the person sitting next to him wa yaqra'u min as-sittina ila al-mi'ah and he would recite about these many verses in fajr prayer so this hadith we read earlier also in this hadith we see that staying awake after isha is something that is disliked however imam bukhari clarifies that for what purpose is it okay for a person to stay awake after isha because remember that there are certain things which are not permissible okay which are haram that if a person commits them he is earning sin but there are other things which are disliked which means that just because a person is doing it it doesn't mean that he's committing a sin it's just disliked the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not do it he disliked it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not approve of it but it doesn't mean that if a person does it once in a while for some genuine reason it would be wrong so what are those situations in which a person is allowed to stay awake after isha bab as-samari fil fiqh wal khairi ba'da al-isha 
a sum of staying awake at night and engaging in conversation but what kind of conversation fil fiqh engaging in conversation that is about fiqh understanding understanding what world politics understanding the deen wal khairi and some good بعد العشاء after isha now remember that khair is general okay this is am fiqh is specific meaning understanding their religion which is why we see that after isha also there were times when the scholars would stay awake either to write their books or to to to, to study in more detail like for example imam bukhari we learn that he would stay awake at night so many times and what would he do he would write the hadith he would study more For instance, once somebody said about him that they were traveling with him. And in one single night, Imam Bukhari woke up multiple times that night. What did he do? He lit the lamp and he wrote something. And he fixed something that he had written. And this was the time when he was compiling his book. So fiqh is understandable. If a person wishes to stay awake at night for the purpose of learning, that is understandable. What is this khair? Khair, remember this is general. This is am. This could be with respect to the person himself and it could also be with respect to somebody else. Sometimes you're up at night because you have to do something that is good for yourself, that is beneficial for yourself. And other times you're awake at night and you're engaging in conversation that is good not necessarily for you, but for who? For others. Like for example, if you have some guests over, then it is necessary that you engage in some kind of conversation with them. Likewise, sometimes with the family members right sometimes there are some social events and you do not wish to be there but the only reason is that if you don't go then people's rights will be neglected people will be upset they will be hurt so this is khair not for you but for who for others so a person must be aware of his circumstances he must be aware of the people who are around him and see the need if there is some benefit some goodness in him staying awake and engaging in conversation whether that khair is for himself or for others then there is absolutely no harm in that then instead of it being makruh it would be mustahab instead of it being makruh for him to stay awake at night it would be something preferable for him something that is good for him حدثنا عبد الله بن الصباح قال حدثنا ابو علي الحنفي حدثنا طغوه بن خالد قال he said انتظرنا he said we waited for al-hasan al-hasan meaning al-hasan al-basri so he said we were waiting for al-hasan al-basri waratha alayna and he was late in coming to us he was late in coming to us we were waiting for him and he didn't come on time so basically we had to wait for quite some time So much so that hatta until qarubna we were close to min waqti to the time of qiyamihi his rising meaning we waited for Hasan al-Basri to come because he would come at a particular time to teach people and we were waiting that whole time and it was almost time for his session to end so imagine a session is supposed to begin at 11 and it's supposed to end at 1 o'clock so they were waiting from 11 o'clock and it was almost One o'clock, just to give you an example. حَتَّى قَرُبْنَا مِنْ وَقْتِ قِيَامِهِ فَجَاءَ Then finally he came. فَقَالَ So he said, دَعَانَا He called us who? جِرَانُنَا Our neighbors, هَأُولَئِ دِيزِ Our neighbors had invited us and because of this reason, I wasn't able to come on time. Sorry, you had to wait. ثُمَّ قَالَ Then he said, who? حَسَنُ الْبَصْرِ 
He's saying to his students who were waiting for him all this time that قال أنسون أنس said رضي الله عنه that once نظرنا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم that we waited for the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات ليلة one night حتى until كان it became شطر الليل يبلغه that it was almost half of the night meaning half of the night had almost passed we were waiting for the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم until so late and why were they waiting in the middle of the night for Isha okay they came to the masjid waiting for the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم to lead them in prayer to lead them in Salatul Isha and what happened almost half of the night had passed فَجَاءَ then he finally came when it was almost half the night فَصَلَّى لَنَا then he led us in prayer ثُمَّ خَطَبَنَا then he addressed us فَقَالَ so he said أَلَا إِنَّ النَّاسَ قَدْ صَلُّوا ثُمَّ رَقَدُوا that indeed the people they performed their prayers and then they went to sleep وَإِنَّكُمْ and indeed you لَمْ تَزَالُوا فِي صَلَاتٍ مَنْ تَظَرْتُمُ الصَّلَاةِ You have continued to be in prayer as long as you were waiting. There were some people, what did they do? They prayed, they couldn't wait. So they prayed themselves and they went to bed. But what did you do? All this time you were waiting for the prayer and as long as you were waiting, what were you doing? You were in the prayer. You will have the reward as who? As a musalli. قَالَ الْحَسَنَ الْحَسَنَ said, وَإِنَّ الْقَوْمَ and indeed people, لَا يَزَالُونَ بِخَيْرٍ They will always remain, they will continue to be on goodness, مَنْ تَضَرُ الْخَيْرِ As long as they wait for good. Meaning as long as you're waiting for something good, you are engaged in that act of goodness. So for example, sometimes it happens that you go somewhere just because it's convenient for you to go at that time and you have to wait for a couple of hours before that particular session can begin. And you might feel as though you're wasting your time, you're being too hard on yourself, but the fact is that as long as you are waiting for something good, whether it is salah or some gathering of knowledge or anything good, then it is as though you are engaged in that good deed. قَالَ قُرْوَةَ said, هُوَ مِنْ حَدِيثِ أَنَسٍ عَنِ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَمْ He said, this is also part of the hadith from the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. What? That, وَإِنَّ الْقَوْمَ لَا يَزَالُونَ بِخَيْرٍ مَنْ تَذَرُ الْخَيْرِ It's not just limited to prayer. But it is general. So in this hadith, what do we see? That the Prophet ﷺ, he came after so long. First of all, Isha was late. Then after the prayer, what did he do? He taught people something good. He taught people something good. So sometimes it may happen that Isha may be very early. And the only suitable time to have a family halaqa in a masjid could be after Isha. So is that wrong? It's not wrong. It is disliked to stay awake after Isha. However, for a genuine reason, like for example gaining knowledge, then it is something that is permissible. And remember, khair. If it's something khair, either for yourself, for for example a person is at work, they don't have any other choice but to work at that time. Or it is khair for somebody else, like your family, your guests, your relatives. Then for that reason it's okay. You can perform risha. Once the time enters, and then you can be awake for whatever good reason that you are awake. That it was a teachable moment, right? And it was a very good occasion at which he mentioned this point because it gave the people the patience also, right? Because remember that waiting is something very, very difficult for people. There is an expression which is that al-intizaru ashad al-maut. That waiting for something is worse than death. That waiting is so difficult for people, but when they are given some good news, change your perspective, 
You're not wasting your time here. As long as you're waiting, you are engaged in khayr, then it gives you the ability to be patient. You see, one is that you look at waiting as a waste of time and something that's very burdensome, very difficult. And the other is that you view it as you're already performing that act of righteousness. حدثنا أبو اليمان قال أخبرنا شعيب عن الزهري قال حدثني سالم بن عبد الله بن عمر وأبو بكر بن أبي حثمة أن عبد الله بن عمر قال صلى النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم صلاة العشاء في آخر حياته ابن عمر said that one night the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم performed صلاة العشاء and this was towards the end of his life فلما سلم then when he said the salam he ended the prayer قام النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فقال he stood up and he said أرأيتكم, he addressed all the people saying that أرأيتكم ليلتكم هذه Have you thought about this night of yours, meaning tonight فَإِنَّ رَأْسَ مِئَةٍ For indeed ahead of a hundred, meaning a hundred years from now لَا يَبْقَى He will not remain مِمَّنْ From among those who هُوَ He is الْيَوْمَ today عَلَى ظَهْرِ الْأَرْضِ On the surface of the earth أَحَدٌ anyone Meaning, did you know that of all the people who are alive today, present today on the surface of the earth, none of them will remain alive a hundred years from now. So what happened? فَوَهِلَ النَّاسُ So the people, وَهِلَ They misunderstood. وَهِلَ is to misunderstand. They misunderstood فِي مَقَالَةِ رَسُولِ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم. They misunderstood the statement of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. إِلَى تُو مَا يَتَحَدَّثُونَ مِنْ هَذِهِ الْأَحَادِيثِ عَنْ مِئَةِ سَنَةِ What they narrate concerning uh, this hundred years. They misunderstood thinking that what the Prophet ﷺ meant was that within a hundred years the Day of Judgment will come. That's how some people misunderstood it. And that's how they narrated it. وَإِنَّمَا النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم, And indeed the Prophet ﷺ what he meant was that لَا يَبْقَى مِمَّنْ هُوَ الْيَوْمَ عَلَى ظَهْرِ الْأَرْضِ that no person who is alive today will remain a hundred years from now. يُرِيدُ بِذَلِكَ أَنَّهَا تَخْرِمُ ذَلِكَ الْقَرُنِ And what he meant by that was that this generation will finish by them. But the people misunderstood. But anyway, in this hadith, what do we learn? That after Isha, the Prophet ﷺ is teaching the people something good, something beneficial for them to know. So it doesn't mean that it is completely forbidden for a person to stay awake after Isha and it's not acceptable, it is disliked if he engages in any kind of conversation. No, it is permissible. And a person may engage in something beneficial, which is either good for him or for other people. However, a person must keep in mind his need for sleep and also his need to wake up in the morning for prayers also. Because sometimes it happens that we are you know, busy doing an assignment or reading something good or we're listening to a lecture and we delay too much. And because of that delay, what happens is that our morning gets affected. So while this is beneficial, it is permissible, it should not be done at the cost of Salat al-Fajr. Which is why it should not be a regular habit. Once in a while if it happens, it's completely acceptable. Bab as-samari ma'al-dayfi wal-ahl Night talk with a wife, with the guest, well, ahl and the family. Is that okay? To what extent? How long can you delay your sleep for the sake of your family and for the sake of your guests? Remember that we don't have guests, you know, every single day. So this is something that will happen, you know, out of routine. But that one night that it happens, 
is it okay? Or should we engage in conversation with a heavy heart and with this guilt in our hearts? No. Be relaxed, be calm. It's okay. It's permissible. And where do we get the evidence from? From the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. It's a long hadith, but a very interesting hadith. حدثنا أبو النعماني قال حدثنا معتمر بن سليمان قال حدثنا أبي حدثنا أبو عثمان عن عبد الرحمن بن أبي بكر أن أصحاب الصفة عبد الرحمن بن أبي بكر So who is he? The son of Abu Bakr رضي الله عنه عبد الرحمن رضي الله عنه He is narrating this incident and he is saying that indeed the أصحاب الصفة Who are the أصحاب الصفة? كانوا He described them as that they were أناساً Some people who are fuqara, who are poor. وَأَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ قَالَ And the Messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم said about the أصحاب الصفة that man whoever كان he was عِنْدَهُ with him طَعَامُ the food of اثنين two whoever has food for two people فَلْيَذْهَبْ then he should take بِثَلَاثٍ three if he has Food for two people at home, meaning he can take two guests, he can bring two guests over, then he should take three people from the Ashabu Sufa home and feed them. in Arba'un, and if a person has food for four extra people, then what should he do? Fakhamisun, then he should take along with him fifth, Ausadis or sixth. Meaning then he should bring people from Ashabu Sufa home and he should feed them. Who were the Ashab al-Sufa? They were basically those companions who had migrated to Medina. And because they had migrated to Medina, this is why they were living in Medina without their families. They had no families. They had no homes. They had no work, no source of income. And they were in Medina either temporarily or long-term basis. Because remember that there were people constantly coming into Medina who had recently accepted Islam and their families opposed them. So they came to Medina to seek refuge. And also, some of them came to Medina, even though they had families back home who were Muslim, why did they come to Medina? To learn from the Prophet ﷺ. So sometimes we learn about the delegation of so and so. So who were these delegations? Where would they stay? In the masjid. This is why the number of Ashab al-Sufa would constantly fluctuate. At times there were many people, and at times there were only a few. But remember, they had no families, no relatives in Medina. If you ever go to a city and you have your relatives over there, even if you're there for a couple of days, you can stay with your family, right? And even if you're not staying with them, you can just go there once a day and have one good meal. Even if all day you're eating out, that one meal you can have at your relative's house. But the Ashabu Sufa did not have that. So we see that their basic needs were unmet. They did not even have food. But they still remained in Medina, in those difficult circumstances. Why? Because of their iman, because of their religion, and in order to be with the Prophet ﷺ. And this is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ always encouraged the Sahaba that if you have food, if you have extra food in your house for two people, then don't just let that food sit there. Take Ashabu Sufa home. How many? Not two, three. And if you have food for four people, then take five or six people. How many ever you can take. But take them home with you and feed them. And we see that this particular night, this particular evening, there were many people amongst the Ashabu Sufa who were hungry. So what happened? وَأَنَّ أَبَا بَكْرٍ And Abdurrahman is narrating about his father that Abu Bakr جاء, he came بِثَلَاثَةٍ with three. 
So Abu Bakr anhu he brought three guests home. Why? In order to feed them. فَانْطَلَقَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ And the Prophet ﷺ went with how many? بِعَشَرَةٍ With ten. Because the Prophet ﷺ was the most generous of people. So he took along with him how many? Ten people. You know, we hear about the generosity of Abu Bakr Imagine the generosity of the Prophet ﷺ was even more. Like in Ramadan, how did the companions describe his generosity? Even faster than wind. Even more speedy than a fast wind. Qala, he said, فَهُوَ أَنَا وَأَبِي وَأُمِّي Abdul Rahman said that in our house it was myself and my father and my mother. We were three people. فَلَا أَدْرِي The narrator is saying, I do not know. Qala, he said, وَمْرَأَتِي And also my wife. وَخَادِمٌ And a servant. بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ بَيْتِ أَبِي بَكْرٍ Between us and between the house of Abu Bakr. So it seems that Abdul Rahman lived next door Abu Bakr and they had Abu Bakr his wife Abdul Rahman their son and his wife and between the two houses was a servant who would go back and forth so it was all of these people and their big extended family so وَإِنَّ أَبَا بَكْرٍ and indeed Abu Bakr Abu Bakr عِنْدَ النَّبِيِّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ what did he do? he brought the guests home and he went to the Prophet to have the evening meal with him. The Asha, what does it mean? To give the dinner basically. So he went to have dinner with the Prophet Because he must have realized that I brought three guests home with me and we don't have much food. So he said, I won't eat here. I'll go and have my dinner with the Prophet Summa Then he remained with them, with the Prophet until Salatul Isha was performed. So he went in the evening, performed Salatul Isha, and then what happened? Summa Raja. Then he returned. Falabitha. Then he remained. Hatta until Ta'ashan Nabiyu Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he went to the Prophet after Isha, and what happened? He stayed until the Prophet had his dinner. When he had his dinner, Faja'a Ba'dama, then he came home. After مَضَى مِنَ اللَّيْلِ ما شاء الله, After a certain part of the night had passed. How much part? As much as Allah had willed. So basically he didn't come home right after Isha. The Prophet ﷺ ate. Abu Bakr stayed. And then after much of the night had passed, then Abu Bakr came home. When he came home, قَالَتْ لَهُ She said to him, who? إِمْرَأَتُهُ His wife. وَمَا حَبَسَكَ and what kept you away an adhiyafik from your guests? You have guests at home waiting for you to come so that you can give them food. And where have you been all this time? Where were you? Awqalat dhaifik. Or she said, your guest. Qala he said, awama ashaytihim. He said in surprise that did you not give them dinner yet? Did you not feed them yet? Qalat she said, abaw. They refused. Hatta tajia until you came. Meaning I offer them food, but they refuse to eat until you were present amongst them. Because think about it, if you bring guests home and then you go somewhere, will they eat without you? If you were the guests, would you eat without the host? Even if you're very hungry, would you eat? No. So likewise, those guests, they didn't eat. She said, They were offered the food, but what happened? They refused. Qala, he said, Who? Abdurrahman. He said, فَذَهَبْتُ أَنَا I went away. فَاخْتَبَأْتُ And I hid. Why did he hide? 
because he saw his father was upset. And you know when somebody is upset, you don't want to be around them, in front of them, especially if it's your father, because you don't want to get in trouble for no reason. Even if they're not upset with you, they're upset because of some other reason. But you're afraid that if I'm around, they're going to get upset with me for something or the other. So he said, I went and I hid. فَقَالَ So he said, يَا غُنْصَرْ Oh, غُنْصَرْ غُنْصَرْ basically means أَحْمَقْ جَاهِلْ سَفِيهِ So, oh you, you know, idiot or something like that, you can understand it. So, يَا غُنْصَرْ He said, oh غُنْصَرْ He called him. فَجَدَّعَ وَسَبَّ Then he, you know, derided him. He scolded him basically. وَقَالَ And he said to his guests, كُلُوا Now eat. لَا هَنِيئًا I'm not happy at all. لَا هَنِيئًا Some people said, that Abu Bakr is saying this to his guests. And what does Lahani'an mean? Hani'an is from Hana, which is to be happy and satisfied after eating something. But it can't be imagined that he would say this to his guests, because this would be extreme disrespect to your guest. We learn that honoring the guest is part of Iman. What others said that what is meant by his statement Lahani'an is that Annani La'ahnahu Bidalik, that I am not happy with what you've done. That this whole time you've been hungry, you didn't eat, so eat already. So he said, Kulu, eat already, Lahani'an. And then what happened? Fakala, so he said, Wallahi, Abu Bakr, he said, Wallahi, la at'amuhu abada. He said, By Allah, I'm not going to eat any of this, ever. That you didn't eat, I'm not eating at all. Now eat already. Now Allahu alam, if Abu Bakr really ate with the Prophet or not. And now, with the food that is there, he's saying, I'm not going to eat at all. Because I'm upset with you, so you eat. Basically, Abu Bakr didn't want to eat from that food. Why? Because it was not enough. It was not enough, right? He, he wanted his guests to eat. And this is the reason why he avoided being at home for so long, but still, he couldn't avoid it. He came home and the food is now being served. And he says, Wallahi la at'amuhu abada. Abdurrahman says, Waymullahi and by Allah, ما كنا نأخذ we would not take من لقمة from any bite إلا except ربا it increased من أسفلها from beneath it أكثر منها more than it he said by Allah we would not pick up any bite of food any morsel of food except that more would rise more would come out from beneath it every bite we picked up there would be more food appearing over there قال he said يعني Hatta until Shabi'u, they all had eaten well, was sarat and it became aktara mimma kanat qabla dalik. The food was more than it was before. Fanadra ilayha Abu Bakr. So Abu Bakr, when he saw it, fa'idahiya kamahiya, and it was exactly as it was before, as if it was untouched, aw kathura minha, or it had increased, it was more than it was before. فَقَالَ لِمْرَأَتِهِ He said to his wife, يَا أُخْتَ بَنِي فِرَاسِ O sister of Bani Firas, مَا هَذَا What is this? What is happening? Did you bring more food? Did you put more food here? What happened? قَالَتْ She said, لَا She said, no. وَقُرَّتِ عَيْنِي And by the coolness of my eyes, لَهِيَ Surely it is الْآنَ Now أَكْثَرُ مِنْهَا قَبْلَ ذَلِكَ بِثَلَاثِ مَرَّاتِ It is three times more than it was before. When she saw the food, she said, By Allah, it is three times more than it was before. فَأَكَلَ مِنْهَا أَبُو بَكْرِ So then Abu Bakr ate from that food. وَقَالَ And he said, إِنَّمَا كَانَ ذَلِكَ مِنَ الشَّيْطَانِ That is from shaytan. يَعْنِي يَمِينَهُ Meaning his oath. When he swore, 
that by Allah I'm not going to eat this. So he broke that oath and he ate of that food because he saw that this is food with special barakah in it. This has blessing in it. So A, he needed that food and B, this was food with barakah. So he didn't want to stay away from it. So he broke his oath, he ate it and he said, that Yameen by the way was from shaitan. Summa akala minha luqmatan. Then he ate from it one bite. Summa hamalaha. Then he carried it. Ila Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Why did he take it to him? Because he knew. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam took ten people with him. How much would he have eaten? He took it immediately to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam after one bite. His love for him. فَأَصْبَحَتْ عِنْدَهُ And that food, it remained with the Prophet ﷺ until the morning. And then he said, وَكَانَ بَيْنَنَا وَبَيْنَ قَوْمٍ عَقْدٌ Abdurrahman is saying that between us and some people, there was some contract, عَقْد meaning some contract, some treaty, فَمَضَ الْأَجَلِ And then the term had ended, meaning the term of that treaty had ended. فَفَرَّقَنَا إِثْنَا عَشَرَ رَجُلًا So twelve men, they left. مَعَ كُلِّ رَجُلٍ مِّنْهُمْ أُنَاسِ With each man was some people. Meaning with each individual was a group of people. Allahu أَعْلَمُ كَمْ مَعَ كُلِّ رَجُلٍ He said, Allah knows how many people were there with every single one of those individuals. Twelve men with each man was a group of people. Allahu أَعْلَمُ how many? Five, ten, fifteen. I don't know how many people were there. But he said, فَأَكَلُوا مِنْهَا أَجْمَعُونَ But they all ate from that food. أَوْ كَمَا قَالْ Or he said something like that. The food which was barely enough for five people. Abu Bakr anhu said, doesn't matter. The Prophet said, we should take people home. The Prophet is taking ten people with him. He took three people with him. The food he was afraid, he wouldn't be able to eat from it. Why? Because he thought it wasn't enough. And he avoided, to the best of his ability, stayed in the masjid, stayed with the Prophet ﷺ until so late. And he came, and then the food is served, and it only increased. He ate from it, took it to the Prophet ﷺ, it stayed there all night, and in the morning, many, many people ate from it. Why? Because that food had barakah in it. That One is that we rely upon the means, that we say, this food is only sufficient for these many people. This much money is only sufficient for these many individuals. With this much money, we can only have a family of these many individuals. We can only entertain these many people in our house. And the other is that you rely upon Allah and you say, Allah will put barakah. And you go for it. Abu Bakr anhu took that step, brought three people and look at how many, many people ate from that food. So from the lessons in this hadith we learn about the generosity of the Prophet ﷺ, the generosity of Abu Bakr anhu, But we also learn that when there are more people to eat from certain food, then there is barakah. There will be barakah. Remember once a group of people, they said to the Prophet ﷺ that we eat but we don't feel satisfied. He said perhaps you eat separately. Perhaps you eat by yourselves, individually. If you ate together, then you would have barakah and you would also feel satisfied. So remember that when there are more hands involved in something, then less is always more. Less is always more. We think less is less. But less will be more. Because the blessing will come. Allah is the raziq. That food is not the provider, nor are you the provider. Allah is a provider and He will provide. 
And many times it happens that we see, for instance, in our homes we prepare one meal. But if you pick up that meal and you take it to a potluck, then what happens? So many people eat so much food and the leftovers are being sent with everybody. We think that a house can only accommodate a certain number of people. The fact is that where there is reliance upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and there is that desire to do good, then less will be more inshallah. This is true with regards to money. This is true with regards to food. This is true with regards to space. This is true with respect to every single thing. Exactly. That they were helping those who were needy. Those who didn't have homes and families and food. So they helped them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent help. Because we are not feeding them. Allah is the one who is feeding them. Today we have so much but it's not enough. Why? Because our hearts are constricted. We don't rely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We start counting. And when we start counting and listing, then that is where the barakah goes away. You remember what the Prophet ﷺ said to Aisha Tuki, Don't tie this bag up. Because if you keep your money in here and close it and keep it safe and secure, then what will happen? It will be restricted for you. Then you will have only this much. But if you rely upon Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and spend where the need is, then inshallah Allah will pay us barakah. That we have leftovers. So food for one is enough for two. Food for two is enough for three. Food for three is enough for four. Always. So never hesitate in sharing. The thing is that when people are giving, then Allah gives them. Right? When we start worrying about others, and we are concerned for them, and we sacrifice our share for the good of others, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of our needs. But when we think that we are our providers, we have to provide ourselves, then we are left to ourselves. Right? In the sense that the one who relies upon Allah, then Allah is sufficient for him. And the one who relies on something else, then he is left to that. Also we learn in this hadith about karamat, that this was basically a karama. A karama is basically you can say a miracle that happens with a follower of a prophet of Allah. And karamat basically happened with the awliya of Allah, with Allah's friends. And Abu Bakr was the best man of this ummah. And this ummah is the best ummah out of all the ummah. So you can say that Abu Bakr was the best of the best. And he was really of the awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is the reason why this amazing incident happened in his house with his food. Why is it that karamat happened? What's the reason? It's basically an unusual incident which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala causes to happen at the hands of his awliya or in the life of his friends. Why? First of all, in order to honor them for the purpose of ikram. To honor that servant. Secondly, as tasbit. Tasbit is what? To confirm them. To confirm them that what they are upon of the deen is correct. That what they are doing is correct. It acts as ta'yid, as help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, reinforcement that yes, what you're doing is right. Like for example, sometimes it happened that when you're having, let's say, guests over, you might have doubts in your heart. Will I be able to accommodate them? Will I be able to feed all of them? Will I be able to take care of them? And then what happens? You trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and food just starts pouring in and help just starts coming in. And this tells you that inshallah what you did is right. 
You don't need to doubt yourself. What you did was really the right thing to do. You made the right decision. So it happens for the purpose of tasbeet. So that they become firm on the truth that they are on. And thirdly also, as the yid for the messenger whom they are following. Because remember that a karama for the awliya is actually an ayah of the prophet. Because if this thing happened with Abu Bakr anhu, what does that show in reality? The truthfulness of the Prophet ﷺ. You understand? So there are three reasons. Three benefits. One, honor for that servant of Allah. Secondly, to give him stability. That what you're on is correct. You're doing the right thing. And thirdly, as confirmation of the messenger, that yes, he is the truth. What he's telling is the truth. There are many incidents in the Prophet ﷺ's life where a little bit of water was sufficient. Remember that little bit of water that was brought? So many people ate from it. They used it for washing up. The Prophet ﷺ even gave some of it to a man to take ghusl from. And then that was returned to that woman. That water exactly as it was. So multiple times it happened. So anyway, in this hadith we learn about the fact that staying up at night after Isha with one's family, with one's guests is something that is permissible. Because you see, first of all, Abu Bakr who came home late. When he came home, he ate dinner. He fed, he ate, and then he took the rest of the food to the Prophet ﷺ. So we see that he didn't sleep right after. The Prophet ﷺ also, he was up with his ten guests, whom he entertained that night. Secondly, we see the permissibility of requesting others to be charitable towards a good cause. Because we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he encouraged the people, if you have food for two, then take three with you. If you have food for three, take four with you. So the Prophet ﷺ requested the people, directed them to a good cause, and there is absolutely nothing wrong in directing people to a good and noble cause. Then we also see that the Prophet ﷺ was someone who acted most on what he said. He told people, take two. And he took how many himself? Ten. So he acted upon what he said. Abu Bakr who knew that the Prophet ﷺ had ten guests. And still Abu Bakr who left his family and went to eat with the Prophet ﷺ. Because he always wanted to be there. He always wanted to be with the Prophet ﷺ. And if the Prophet ﷺ took ten people, I'm sure he wouldn't mind if Abu Bakr came. And also you see, some people they go in order to take benefit. And others they go with the intention to give benefit. Some go to see what they can get from there. And others go to see what they can do over there. So Abu Bakr whenever he was around, he wouldn't be around to see what he could eat and what he could gain. He would be around to see how he could help out. This is what we see in his life. He was always giving. He was always helping out. And perhaps this is the reason why he went there to see if there was enough food or not, if the Prophet ﷺ ate or not. And this is why when he had food, when he saw that the food had barakah, it was increasing, he took it immediately to the Prophet ﷺ. One bite he took and he took it to the Prophet ﷺ. He always wanted to be aware of the circumstances of the Prophet ﷺ. This is why he accompanied him. But sometimes you find out that somebody wants to come over, then open up your doors. It doesn't matter if one extra person comes in. Unfortunately now, we count the heads and we count the plates. And this is why we don't have barakah. We have extra food. It'll go in the in the bin. It'll stay on the plate. But unfortunately we cannot. We don't have the tawfiq to share it with others and earn reward. When you open up your heart, 
then really the food is enough, the space is enough, everything's enough. But it's about taking that step, relying upon Allah and saying, Inshallah, it will be enough. You want to please someone. And that is also a form of charity. If smiling at your brother is a charity, then making someone happy with a good meal, that is also a charity. But make that intention even more pure for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That don't just call people over just because they like your food. Call them over, feed them, because this is a good deed. It's an act of charity. Okay, before we conclude Kitab Mubaqeet Salat, there were a couple of questions. One question was with respect to the forbidden times of prayers. There are several times in the day when Salah is impermissible, mandatory or voluntary. And essentially there are three, if you think about it. One is as the sun is rising. The other is when the sun is setting. And the third is when the sun is directly overhead. So the question is that when is Zawal? Meaning when is that time when the sun is directly overhead when Salah is not permissible? The fact is that the sun is at its zenith, meaning directly overhead, only for a few minutes. It's only momentarily. And it's almost impossible to know exactly what time, unless and until you calculate or you put something outside and you check how the shadow is or if there is a shadow or not. Basically, the practical way of knowing when the zawal is is to put a stick or pole in an open place. When the sun rises in the east, the shadow of the stick will fall towards the west. And the higher the sun rises, the shorter the shadow will become. And as long as it keeps growing shorter, the sun has not yet reached the zenith. And once the shadow disappears, in the sense that it's directly under that object, that means that the sun is directly above you. But you will only figure that out once you see the shadow going on the other side. So it's only for a few moments. This is the reason why uh, we see that many companions, when they narrated the forbidden times of prayers, they only mentioned sunrise and sunset. They didn't even mention this time because it's only literally for a few moments. And generally a person is busy in, in other things that, you know, salah is not really a priority for most people at this time. Another question was with regards to the time of sunset. That when exactly is Maghrib? Is it when the sun begins to set or is it when the sun has completely set? Now remember that when the sun has set, meaning that the disk, the sun, has completely disappeared from the horizon, that is when the time of Maghrib begins. When the sun has disappeared. The time of Asr, the time of Asr is until the sun touches the horizon. You understand? That the sun, you see it going down, going down, and then you see that it touches the horizon, and then you see that a part of it has disappeared, and gradually, gradually, it completely disappears. So Asr, you can pray until when? Until the sun, the disk, you see, touching the horizon. Once it touches the horizon, that means that it has started setting. It has started disappearing. So once this time enters, meaning the disc touches the horizon, that's when you stop praying. Meaning no voluntary prayer. You cannot start your asr prayer. You understand? And it takes about three minutes, less, more, somewhere between two to three minutes for the sun to completely set. So if you are going by a prayer calendar... You understand that they've taken this into consideration when they're telling you the times. And if you're going by astronom- astronomically calculated time of sunset, then what do you do? 
you add three minutes to be on the safe side. So for example, if you see on your weather app that sunset is at 5.43, for instance, then you should pray Maghrib at what time? 5.46. Don't start exactly at 5.43 because that is when the sun has hit the horizon. Okay, that is when a section of will disappear. And this is supported by hadith in which we learn that the Prophet ﷺ, he forbade the people from praying at three times. The Sahaba, they said, there are three times at which the Messenger of Allah ﷺ forbade us to pray or to bury our dead when the sun has clearly started to rise. Started to rise. So when you see it coming up, you understand? When you see it coming up, rising, that's when you stop praying. Until it has fully risen. And until it is completely clear. And remember that when it comes to the sunrise, it's about 12 to 15 minutes. And when it is directly overhead at midday, but remember that it's only for a few moments, until it has passed its zenith. And when the sun starts to set, until it has fully set. So you see the words of the hadith? When it starts to set, until it has fully set. Another question was with regards to missed prayers. We learned that missed prayers should be performed in order. So for example, if a person missed their zuhur asr, and they're performing them now with their maghrib, then what should they do? Perform zuhur, then asr, and then maghrib. Now, what if a person forgets? In the sense that they're praying maghrib, and then they realize that they didn't pray their zuhur asr. Then what do they do? Do they break their salah? Do they carry on? What do they do? There are multiple opinions with regards to this, but... Shaykh ibn Uthaymin, he said that a person should complete his maghrib and then he can pray his zuhur and asr. Other scholars say that no, he should break his maghrib and then pray zuhur, asr and then maghrib. But other scholars say that it's better that he completes his prayer and then he performs the missed salawat. And if there is only enough time left to pray the current prayer, like for example, five minutes before maghrib, you realize you missed your zuhur and asr. If you pray your zuhur, you'll miss your asr definitely. But if you start your asr, at least you'll catch your asr. Then what do you do? Then you perform asr first. Alright? And you perform maghrib. At, and then you perform zuhur once the sun has set. And then you perform maghrib after that. So if there is only enough time for the current prayer, then what will you perform? The current prayer. Also one more question with regards to missed prayers. That if a person has missed their prayers, let's say for two days, for three days. Let's say they were unconscious. They were sick then in that case, are they required to make up all of those prayers or not? Sheikh Ibn Baz, he said, if it is three days or less of unconsciousness, then he should make up his prayers. Why? By analogy with one who sleeps. But if it is more than that, let's say he was unconscious for a week, he was unconscious for five days, then he does not have to make up his prayers by analogy with one who is majnun. So, Let's say someone for some surgery, they've been given anesthesia and they're out for an entire day. And even though they have regained their consciousness, they're still not in that state. Sometimes it takes long for people to regain their full consciousness. So a whole day of prayers they've missed, 24 hours. Then what will they do? Make up those prayers when they're able to. Right? As soon as they have the strength, they will make up the prayers. But if it's too long of a time, more than three days, then they will not make up their missed prayers. One more question with regards to a person who has missed their prayers for no genuine reason. For no genuine reason. And this is something that is unfortunately very common amongst the Muslims these days. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives that person 
the tawfiq to repent and now this person is performing their prayers regularly what about all the prayers that they have missed are they required to make them up or are they not required to make them up there is a lot of discussion on this some scholars have said that they are required to make them up and some have even gone to the extent of paying kafara for each prayer so assigning a certain amount of money for each prayer missed and then they have to give that amount of money in charity but there is no basis for that the other opinion amongst the ulama is that he is not required to make up the prayers why because when a person is deliberately leaving his prayer then that is what that is equivalent to kufr that is equivalent to kufr and when a person does tauba from that then remember that tauba has erased everything that has happened before remember that a tauba yahdimu it destroys whatever happened before so inshallah he does not have to make them up however considering the fact that he was a muslim and considering the fact that he did pray sometimes like for example two prayers a day three prayers a day he did pray sometimes it wasn't really a state of kufr then in this situation a person must definitely increase in his istighfar increase in his nafil prayers to make up for what was missed because realize that it's like a debt almost or something that is missing from your record something that was due you didn't do it it's missing from your record so what should be done you should make it up through some other way so how voluntary prayers extra good deeds istighfar tauba yes. you see with regards to fasting we see that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded the women to make up their missed fasts so when it comes to fasting we have been commanded to make up the missed fasts if it's less than 3 days then a person will make up the prayers why because you are making the analogy with the one who is sleeping all right and if it's more than 3 days then a person will not make up the prayers why because his state is like that of a majnun during labor a woman will pray until she starts bleeding until she begins to bleed okay and that is basically when the child is going to come out right so even though she's in labor for 24 hours 36 hours doesn't matter she is going to pray in that state even if the water breaks she will still continue to pray and even if fajr time has entered then you will perform your witr first and then you will perform your fajr salah so whether it is witr or a fard or any other fard prayer if you missed it because of sleep or for some other reason then before you perform the next prayer you will make up the missed prayer if there is enough time for that prayer like if a person wakes up 5 minutes before sunrise then they will just pray their fajr not with it only fajr if you have that time you had made that intention so you make that up okay inshallah we'll end over here and inshallah we'll begin our next chapter in next class it's about adhan kitabul adhan the call to prayer there's a lot of virtue attached to that a lot of importance and a lot of benefits also you'll be amazed سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد ان لا اله الا انت نستغفرك ونتوب اليك السلام عليكم ورحمه الله وبركاته